Welcome to Mosaic Church, and thank you for joining us here online. To prepare for today's message, we encourage you to utilize the Mosaic Cincinnati app. There, you can view the message notes, put in prayer requests, and so much more. Enjoy the message. Well, we're going to continue our series. We've got, we got two more weeks of this series, The Problem with People. And so every week, we've been, we've been making a statement that the problem with people is that. And so today, the problem with people that we're going to talk about is that they don't sacrifice. Um, you know, that nobody, nobody wants to get uncomfortable for somebody else. You know, we're all creatures of comfort. And, and, and for whatever reason, it seems like these days, it's just harder and harder and harder to get people to sacrifice, right? But this whole series is about relationships. You can apply it to your family, to your marriages, to your dating lives, to your work, to your friendships. And so today, why don't people sacrifice? What makes this so difficult? And kind of some overarching thoughts to help frame this as we, as we think through this series. First of all, we gotta remember that we teach what we know, but we reproduce who we are. How many of you that's just really convicting every time you hear it? You know, I say that to myself all the time, and every time I say it, I'm like, ouch, because there's something in my life that I don't want reproduced in my kids, and so I really, really need to work on it. But the, the premise of this series is that the character gaps that I see in other people, so when I, for instance, say, man, the problem with people is that they don't sacrifice, you know, When I see that character gap in someone else, it clues me in to who I need to be for them. Now, does that mean that my actions are are gonna just solve all the problems and gonna fix them? No, because we don't fix other people. It's not our job. But God put me here to make a difference. That's what this is all about. And the primary way that I can make a difference is to be different. And so instead of acting like the world around me and the problems that we see in others and just reflecting them and responding in kind, I've got to say, no, I'm going to try to be like Jesus. And so how do we address the problems that we see in other people? We be what we would like to see in them. Some of you are already mentally pushing back. You know, you think I could never be all things for all people all the time. It's not my job. And you're right. You might think, oh, if I just do that, if, I just, if I'm always the one to sacrifice, and we're going to talk about this today, it's always me. Some of you are already thinking that. You know, then I'll burn out. I won't take care of myself. You know, I'll, I'll become codependent, etc. And so I'm, we're not saying that today. We're simply saying that as a life principle, we have to respond differently. And so instead of talking about the problems in others, it's going to clue us into how we need to be different. Why? Because someone has to lead the way. And Jesus called the church, which is you and me. The church is not a building. The church is a people. We are the church. And we need to lead the way. And so today they don't sacrifice. No one is willing to give things up. Don't you love it when you, when you wor- use words like no one or always or never and just how final those words feel, right? But we, we say things like this. No one's willing to give things up. No one's willing to be uncomfortable for a greater cause. But I would push back a little bit and say that these days, in 2024, we, we really kind of neuter the concept of sacrifice. We really do. 
You know, we take a couple hours to volunteer at school, at our kids' school, or, um, and, we, and we say like, oh, I've sacrificed so much. I've given my life to this place, right? And it's like, listen, your, your kid's in kindergarten. <laughs> you know, you, you haven't been there that long, right? Or we give a donation to a worthy cause, and, and we say, man, you have no idea how much I've sacrificed. And when in reality, you just skipped a month of Starbucks, it's like, chill out, you know, you're, you're gonna be okay. Or we serve once a month at church for a few years, and, and we're like, oh, I've just done so much. But you're still watching all the Netflix that you want, and you, you've not gotten behind at all. Or you, you did one chore at home outside of your normal rhythm, and boom, you're like a sacrificial lamb going to the slaughter, right? You vacuumed, you swept, and you won a medal. Kids, you made your own mac and cheese, and, and you want to party in your honor, right? No one's responding, so I must be hitting a little close to home, right? You skipped one, dads or, or wives, if you play golf, you skipped one round of golf and you want to be nominated for husband of the year, right? You haven't gone to get a mani-pedi in like, a, in like six months and you think you're a pioneer woman, right? Come on, it's true. I would really say that most of the sacrifices that we make don't actually change much in our life. You know what I mean? Times that we think, oh man, it's just so hard. It's like we could probably find somebody in our life that has a lot harder. We could probably talk to our parents or our grandparents of of a time when they, they really actually did go without. And it's just... You know, we, we use this word kind of flippantly, especially when we look at sacrifice in the context of Scripture. And so today we're going to be talking about sacrifice where the rubber really meets the road. Because we're okay with these concepts when they're abstract, but when it gets real in our own life, it's a whole nother story. Sacrifice is a concept that is baked into the whole of Scripture from beginning to end. Think about it. In Genesis, if you know the story, Adam and Eve had sinned, and all of a sudden they felt shame. They, they realized that they were naked. And so God, it, the Bible says that he took animal skins and made clothes for them. Now, reading between the lines, because it's, it doesn't explain its explicitly, but God must have sacrificed an animal to get the skins, because to get the skins, to make the clothes, someone had to die, probably a lamb. Later on, God's covenant with Abraham, a a cow, a goat, a ram, a dove, and a pigeon all got killed, slaughtered during this covenant making between God and Abraham. Then Abraham has Isaac, the son that God had promised him, and what did God ask him to do? He asked him to take Isaac to the mountain and sacrifice him to test whether or not Abraham really had faith in God. And at the last moment when Abraham was about to sacrifice Isaac, because some of you are like, whoa, what in the world is going on here? God stopped Abraham and provided a ram in Isaac's place. And this is, the, this is an amazing just foreshadowing of what Jesus did for us. That when we deserved death, God provided 
a different sacrifice than his son Jesus. And then the whole system of law in the Old Testament was based on sacrifices being given year after year after year. The only problem with these sacrifices is that they didn't fix anything. In fact, one Israelite king, whose name was Saul, was scolded and rebuked when he tried to cover up his rebellious heart with outward sacrifices. Man, if we dwell on that one a little bit, it's gonna hit close to home. You know, when we just try to do the right things to cover up the fact that our heart is really rebellious and trying to just do our own thing all the time, you see, in Saul's life, there was a deeper issue. And so when the prophet Samuel came to Saul to call him out, he said this in 1 Samuel 15, through 23. He said, what is more pleasing to the Lord, your burnt sacrifices and, or your burnt offerings and sacrifices or your obedience to his voice? Listen, obedience is better than sacrifice. And submission is better than offering the fat of rams. Rebellion is as sinful as witchcraft and stubbornness as bad as worshiping idols. You see, way back in the Old Testament times, hundreds of years before Jesus came, God was already pointing his spotlight, not just on what we did, but on the heart with which we did it. And I don't know about you, but as a pastor's kid who grew up in church trying to do the right thing, man, I feel like I know firsthand what it's like to do all the right things on the outside for everybody else, but my heart Still, be, still being rebellious and stubborn against the Lord. And then what happens? Jesus comes along and sacrifices himself. Himself. Hebrews 10, four through five. It said, for it is not possible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. So all this stuff that they did in the Old Testament, this whole system where people did certain things to, 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 to atone for their sins from the, from the past year, you know, it, it's just not possible. That's, it's not good enough. That is why it says, when Christ came into the world, he said to God, you did not want animal sacrifices and sin offerings but you have given me a body to offer. How cool is this? Jesus is coming and saying, hey, I'll be the sacrifice for you. That changed our entire world from that moment forward. That's why we're sitting here. This, that's why we, we sing songs. That's why we preach the word. It's why we, we, we try to act like Jesus because he was the ultimate sacrifice in our place. He took the, the, the punishment that we deserved and it changed everything. And then, fast forward a little bit more, Paul's writing to the Romans and in Romans 12.1 he said, and so dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. This was revolutionary. You gotta remember, 
all the Jews knew up until this point was sacrifices. And then Jesus comes and he is the sacrifice once and for all. And then Paul calls out the Romans and all of us to be living sacrifices and presenting ourselves willingly. Up until this point, every sacrifice that was mentioned in Scripture died physically. Think about that. That was kind of the point. They died physically. But now Paul pleads with us to be living sacrifices. So we're living physically, but we're dying spiritually to our old life. It's almost like the first, this is like the first episode of The, the Walking Dead, right? We're, we're living dead people. It's, but we're not zombies, and so don't, don't, we're not, not going to cross them over. We're a new creation in Christ. The old is gone. The new has come. We're different. We're full of life because of Jesus. It's the greatest miracle that you and I will ever experience. Let me just go on a rabbit trail for a minute. Man, we, we get so hyped up about amazing miracles, not only that Jesus did, but that God is still doing in people's lives when he heals people and he makes blind people see, makes lame people walk. You know, that is amazing. It is, don't get me wrong. But the most amazing miracle that will ever happen in your life and mine is when you put your faith and trust in Jesus and you stepped over from death into life and you became a new creation. And at that moment... Because of what Jesus has done in your life, Scripture pleads with us to give our bodies as a living sacrifice to God. This is how we worship. And since the way we worship God needs to trickle down into every single part of our lives, it only makes sense that this sacrificial nature should be the foundation of our relationships as well. And so when we see people that just won't sacrifice anything, what do we do? We sacrifice. John 15, 12 through 13 said, this is my commandment. This is Jesus talking to you and me. Love each other in the same way I have loved you. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. I hope that already today we've established this theme throughout scripture of sacrifice. And now it's our turn. So the first thing we see in scripture about a living sacrifice is that first a living sacrifice is given to Christ. So fill that out in your notes, and if, if you want to do it on your app, you could pull out your Mosaic Cincinnati app, go there, and you can fill in the blanks there as well. But let's dig in today. Our text for the rest of today is going to be Ephesians 5, starting in verse 21. And this is a passage that, that, that teaches on the relationship between wives and husbands, but the principles that we're going to learn here really work for all of our relationships. They really do. But we see here that a living sacrifice is first given to Christ. In Ephesians 5, 21 through 22, it says, And further, submit to one another 
out of, now underline this next part, reverence for Christ. For wives, this means submit to your husbands as to the Lord. And so the part we want to really zero in in there is out of reverence for Christ. Because I am first given to Christ, because my life belongs to him, because I'm living my life as a living sacrifice to God, it's based on that reverence and it's based on that sacrifice that I operate in love towards my spouse, right? Out of reverence for Christ. It says submit to one another. That's the first thing that we see. Submit to one another out of, out of reverence for Christ. You know, so much of the time we wanna, we wanna go on and really zero in on wives and then we really zero in on husbands when the foundation was laid here in this passage that we're submitting to one another. And why? Because we're living our lives as a living sacrifice to God. And first, our first job is to give our lives to Jesus. You might ask yourself right away, well, well, Joe, what, how in the world do I do this if my spouse isn't a believer? And we talked about this a couple weeks ago, and I'll just, I'll read the, the verse again because it's just so good. In 1 Peter 3, 1 through 2, it says, in the same way, you wives must accept the authority of your husbands. Then, even if some refuse to obey the good news, in other words, they're not believers, your, your godly lives will speak to them without any Words They will be won over by observing your pure and reverent lives. Wow. And so right off the bat, we see that this is way less about us being fulfilled in, in maybe the ways that we selfishly want sometimes. And it's way more about us representing Jesus. And our first priority is to bring honor to him. Our first priority is to put a smile on his face. Our first priority is no matter what, no matter what anybody else does in my life, I'm gonna serve Jesus and I'm gonna act in a God-honoring way at all times. Does this mean, and we we talked about this a couple weeks ago and, and all the cultural nuances of this, but does this mean that you're a doormat or that you don't have a voice? Absolutely not. It simply means that your greatest witness that trumps everything else in life is your commitment to Christ. It means that my relationship to Christ supersedes my relationship with my spouse. It means that Jesus is my number one and my spouse is my number two. Jesus is my number one and my spouse is my number two. We get so caught up in our culture for a gazillion reasons that I won't get into, but we get so caught up on authority structures and who's in charge and, and we let that become the, the, the substance of the conversation. And there are authority structures in the kingdom of God. That's why it's called a kingdom because it has a king. Somebody's in charge and his name is Jesus Christ. And he won that spot by sacrificing his life for you right? But we cannot look at kingdom authority structures the same as worldly ones. Why? Because it's based on all of us being submissive to Christ and submissive like Christ. Man, get this in your heart today. 
leadership in the kingdom, a living sacrifice and the model of the sacrificial living in the kingdom of God is based on us being submissive to Christ and submissive like Christ. That's why this passage starts with submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. This is a fundamental difference about the kingdom of God that the last are the first and the first are the last. It's servant leadership. And this only happens when you first give your life to Jesus and then out of your love for Christ and out of living for his glory and his honor, you, what do you do? You love others. And so number one, a living sacrifice first gives themselves to Jesus. They're given to Christ first. Number two, number two, a living sacrifice, then after they've first given their lives to Christ, they serve people in a God-honoring way. Ephesians 5, 25 through 26, the the first verse kind of spoke a little bit more specifically to wives. Then it says to husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. I just love this, that the power of a godly man comes in his level of sacrifice and the level to which he is submersing himself in the word of God. Men, you wanna be powerful? You wanna be a man in God's image? Whatever that means, submit your life to Christ. Get in God's word. Know the word and live the word. You know, we want to attach all kinds of things to, to manliness, right? And, and grunt like Tim Taylor, you know? It's just like, it's just, you know, cars and whatever. But all of that, pff, secondary. You know what makes you a real man? When you know how to submit to Jesus. When serving him and laying down your life for your wife is more important than your own ego, That's what makes you a real man. And when you're bathing your wife in God's word, showering her with the truth of God in her life, that's what it looks like to serve her in a God-honoring way. And so what does this tell me? When I look at this verse, when I read between the lines, happiness is not the goal in marriage or in any of my relationships, honestly. People aren't in my life to make me happy. It's backwards. Holiness is the goal. Holiness is the goal. Why, why it says that he gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. And so every relationship that we operate in in life, our goal should bring, be to bring the glory of God into that relationship by serving that person in a God-honoring way. You know, it's kind of difficult to think about, you know, what does this mean? Washed by the cleansing of God's word, right? What does that even mean? Well, we see in John chapter one, it talks about how the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And what is, what is the word? The word was Jesus Christ. 
That's what it was talking about in John chapter one. And so the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And then when he did dwell among us, what did he do? He served us, he loved us, and he died for us. And so he's, he's showing us the model of what it looks like to serve each other. And if God's strategy to heal the relationships that we broke involved him sacrificing everything for us, then our approach to the broken relationships in our lives definitely involve us sacrificing, right? It involves us laying our lives down for each other. So what does this mean? That if, we're, that if we're living sacrifices and we're serving people in a God-honoring way, it means that finding fulfilling relationships are always going to involve sacrifice. It's never 50-50. This is a concept that is so worldly, it has destroyed so many marriages and relationships that I do this for you and that means you do this for me. It's transactional, two-way. You see, Jesus' transaction that he made for your soul was a one-way transaction. He paid it all, and you can never repay it. Nothing you ever do will make Jesus love you more or love you less. He paid it all once, once for all. Isn't that amazing? And so if his example is our model, it's not 50-50. It's not like I'll just love my wife or I'll just love my husband when, when, they, when they do X, Y, Z and if they don't do X, Y, Z then I'm gonna withhold X, Y, Z. No, it's not like that. It's not 50-50. It's 100-100, always. That you're giving 100% regardless of what they do and hopefully because of God's word leading their life and, and you setting the example, they're gonna to begin to also give 100%. And if they never give 100%, guess what? We still give 100%. And we don't get bitter, and we don't get angry, and we don't think about jumping ship, and we don't get frustrated. You can get frustrated. But we still live like Jesus. It's what we do. Does that mean that we can't voice our frustrations or say, hey, when you do X, Y, and Z, this is how it affects me and this is how I feel and, and we could share our feelings? You absolutely can and you should. But it doesn't mean that you stop giving 100% all the time because this is the model of relationships in the kingdom of God. 100, 100, always. It's powerful, isn't it? There's beauty in the sacrifice when you lay down your life for someone else. It's the, it's the model of the kingdom. Number three. Our last point today, and we'll camp out here for a bit, is that a living sacrifice has no strings attached. No strings attached. I love this. At the end of this passage, Ephesians 5, 31 through 33, it says, as the scriptures say, a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. This is a great mystery, but it is an illustration of the way Christ and the church, 
are one. So again I say, each man must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. What a beautiful picture. And I just love how Paul, in this way, writing to the Ephesians, he uses a very real-world example where the rubber meets the road of, what, of how your relationships horizontally reflect what your relationship vertically with Jesus looks like. And so the very institution of marriage, what does it say? A man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife. So no strings attached. No strings attached. To me, what does this kind of reflect or, or symbolize? How when you gave your life to Christ, you started over. You started over. New home, new family, new traditions, new ways of doing things, new choices, new life. I used to live for myself, but now who do I live for? I live for Christ, and I'm laying my life down for my spouse. It's an amazing picture, isn't it? Kind of like your relationship with Jesus. It's amazing. We became one with Jesus by Jesus paying a debt that we could not pay or repay. And so, in the same way, we become one with each other spiritually when we do the same for each other. Loving each other with no strings attached. So, a living sacrifice has no strings attached, but what, what is sacrifice not? What does this mean? Because I think it's helpful to say what it's not so that we know what no strings attached really means. First of all, sacrifice is not reciprocal. That means that, you know, just because I do something for you doesn't mean you have to do something for me. There's no strings attached. It's like, here's my love, here's my devotion, here's my faithfulness, here's everything that I am, and I just love you. Simple as that. Another thing is sacrifice is not top-down. It's from the bottom up. That's what Jesus modeled. He said, if you, anyone who wants to be the greatest among you must be the servant of all. And so it's, it's not like what our world makes it. But our world is full of sayings like, like these. You know, we say things like, he just wasn't meeting my needs. We say things like, she is just so self-absorbed, she, she, she only ever thinks about herself. We say things like, I just need someone who really gets me, who really understands me, right? But we don't give to get. Giving to get is the model of this world. It is not the model of the kingdom. So what is sacrifice? 1 Corinthians 13, three through seven. <clears throat> if I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable. And it keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustices, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up. It never loses faith. 
It's always hopeful. It endures through every circumstance. Right? And then let's just repeat the one we started with. John 15. This is my commandment. Love each other in the same way I have loved you. There's no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. Excuse me. I just want to encourage you today because some of you might just be saying, well, Joe, you don't know the circumstances of my relationship. And maybe there's relationships that are in your rearview mirror now. And a talk like this just kind of haunts you a little bit. And you think to yourself, could I have done something different? Could I, you know, what, what if? And there's all these questions, right? And, and you might even be saying, and we're just really pushing back mentally and saying, well, Joe, you just didn't know him. Or Joe, you just didn't know her. Or Joe, you just don't get my boss at work and how, how evil they are. And, and Joe, well, well, you just, you know, this is all well and good, you know, just in a vacuum, but in the real world, you know, and we, we do, we, we say all these kind of things. First of all, man, if you've had relationships in your life just completely melt down, um, I've, I'm a part of a marriage. I'm a part of a bigger family. I've, I've counseled a ton of people and, and every single time, no matter what, in my own life and in other people's lives, relationships break down and fall apart due to one thing and it's selfishness every time and so I'm not here to pile on this morning about what has not gone wrong in your relationships some of that's in the past and um, you know I'm not I'm not here to make you feel bad about that today what I do want to challenge you with is how you operate and the mindset that you carry from this point forward does that mean that every relationship in your life is just gonna work out perfectly no there might be some relationships that you need to distance from. There might be some relationships that, that just don't work because you've got to set up some, some healthy boundaries in your life. That's not what I'm, I'm talking about today. I'm talking about the posture of your heart. That even when you have to make those tough choices and even when you have to you know, draw some lines and even when you go through these things, You're praying and you're asking God to lead you and guide you as a living sacrifice. That when it is in your power and when you have the ability to do so, that you say, I'm gonna love with no strings attached. And I'm gonna, gonna, even though I maybe have had some tough relationships in my life that have left a scar, that have left an impact, I'm still gonna open up my heart to love like Jesus. I'm gonna find it somewhere through the power of the Holy Spirit within me to say, I'm gonna love you with no strings attached. Even though maybe trust has been broken in in your life, and so maybe that relationship is, is, is not gonna continue like it was. But with new relationships and moving forward, God help me to be a living sacrifice holy and completely given to you and then holy and completely serving others and then holy and completely loving with no strings attached why because that's how jesus loves you 
And some of you need to let that sink in today. Back when I was a youth pastor, one of the most fun uh, activities we ever did is at a youth retreat, and, and it was one of those scavenger hunts, right? And, and maybe you've done this before. The point was, you know, every group got a paper clip, and they were, they were told to go out in the community and to trade it up. And they could trade as many times as they wanted, but by a certain time, they had to be back at the church, and the, and the group with the coolest thing that they brought back wins, right? And so the team would go out all across town, and, and they're, they're, they're trading up, and, and, and the stories are just hilarious. But when people that they would meet kind of got caught wind of what they were doing, they would just start giving them crazy stuff, right? And so one group comes back with a stove, you know, like a stove in the back of the truck. And it's like, how did you go from a paperclip to a stove? Now, whether or not the stove worked is beside the point. I mean, but they increased like from like, like half of an ounce or whatever, an eighth of an ounce to, to something that's like 100 pounds. It was like, man, that's pretty impressive. And then this other, this other group, they come back with a a mounted boar's head, like a wild boar's head. And that, that thing hung on my office wall for years. And like anytime people would come into my office, it would kind of scare them. And then because this thing looked gnarly. And, but the, but the, the mom uh, in the house where that thing came from, she was like, thank you, Joe. I've wanted that thing out of my garage for years. And so it was just a win-win, right? But kind of like that scavenger hunt, it's like we come to Jesus with just our frail love that amounts to nothing more than just a, a dumb little paper clip. And we give him what we have and we trade up into something that's amazing. And he takes our little and he gives us his glory and he gives us his Holy Spirit and he puts in you the ability to preciously and graciously love others in a way that you were not capable of before. And so that's my prayer for you today, church. Some of you today, just the fact that Jesus sacrificed his life for you, it's hitting different this morning. It's hitting different. Maybe you've heard it before, but, but man, it's, it's, it's becoming real to you. And so if that's you, if, if, if everybody in this room could just bow your heads and close your eyes, and you've been challenged, you've been challenged by the fact that you need to love others like you're a living sacrifice. But the first step in the process is that a living sacrifice is first given to Christ. And it's time for you to take that first step today. And because Jesus loved you so much, it's time for you to be a living sacrifice and to give yourself to him. Wholeheartedly, total surrender, saying, Jesus, here's my life. You see, this is the model. It's not just a prayer. It's not just a, it's not just a, a simple decision that you make today and then you go out and don't live any different. No. It's a wholehearted surrender that because Jesus sacrificed his life for you, 
that you now decide to be a living sacrifice and give yourself to him. And so if, if, if it's your day, if it's your time to begin a relationship with Jesus Christ and to give him your life, I just want to ask you right now to raise your hand and say, that's me. I want to give my life to Jesus today. Amen. Amen. If you raise your hand, I just want to encourage you to pray a simple prayer right there at your seat and invite Jesus to be the Lord of your life. The Bible says if you confess that you're a sinner, confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, that he died for you on the cross and that he rose again on the third day, you'll be saved. You put your faith and trust in him. You trust not in your works or how good you are, but in what he did on the cross. And you commit your life to follow him. That's what it looks like to be forgiven, to be saved. And as quickly as as you ask for his forgiveness, he's faithful and just to forgive you and to cleanse you of all unrighteousness. Isn't that beautiful today? Amen. If you gave your heart and life to Christ today, I want to encourage you to stop by the Welcome Center. We've got a, a gift bag for you with a Bible and some resources to help you in your newfound faith. And man, I'm just so pumped for you. Can we give a hand to those that gave their lives to Christ today? Amen. For the rest of us, can we stand? Let's all stand together. And we're going to pray a closing prayer. And then the, the prayer team's going to be up front. Hey, can I just take a moment? I want to encourage you to, um, some of you have never even thought about getting prayer. And there's nothing special about the people up front. But there is something powerful in joining together with somebody else in prayer for a need that you have in your life. And so I wanna encourage you to, you know, you don't have to every week, but man, if there's something going on in your life, take advantage of the opportunity to pray with somebody. Um, The people that we have up front, they won't bite. (laughs) They're just normal people, and they're just gonna gently and kindly pray for you, Um, but it's powerful. And so after I I close, you know, take advantage of that if you're going through something. Uh, But hey, if you're in the camp with me today, And just so you know, when I preach a message like I preached today, um, I'm like convicted number one. (laughs) I'm like the number one, um, you know, person in the room that this message is convicting because God's already been working it out in my heart this week. And so um, let's pray together and ask God to help us be a living sacrifice in the way that he really wants. Amen. And if you have questions about anything we talked about, hey, never feel afraid to ask or get in a life group and and talk about it there and and just work it out Um, because it's super normal to have questions. But I'm so glad that you're here today. Thanks for worshiping with us and listening. And and I just can't wait to see what God does this year in our church. And so let's pray uh, because man, this living sacrifice thing is a model for how he wants us to live. God, help us today. Help us this week in our relationships with our spouses. God, in our relationships with our kids. God, in relationships with our coworkers, it's so easy to, to see all the ways that they're not sacrificing or that we feel like they're being selfish. Or, and it's just so easy to spot. But I pray that you would just turn our perspective in a way that we see every relationship in our life as an opportunity for us to be living sacrifices. That we're submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. God, that we're respecting each other, that we're laying down our lives for each other. 
that we're both giving 100% all the time. And God, in relationships in our life where we can't control the other party, which is every relationship, God, I pray that you would help our focus to stay first on honoring you and second on serving the other. Help us, Jesus. We need the power of your Holy Spirit. We need your strength. We need your guidance. We need your wisdom because it's hard. And you know how hard it is because when we were still sinners, you died for us on the cross. And so fill us with your Holy Spirit. Give us love that we never knew we had. Soften our hearts, God, so that we can trust and serve and love again. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for joining us for today's message. We look forward to having you back next week.